This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. I am excited today as I am joined by Dannon Schiff. He is the Senior Vice President of Real Estate for Dave's Hot Chicken, an exciting restaurant brand that is growing across the nation. Really looking forward to him sharing his insights on what's going on out there. Welcome to the show, Dannon. Uh, thanks for having me, Chris. Appreciate it. Pleasure's mine. Dannon, tell us a little bit about who you are, how you got to where you are, and uh, what you're up to these days. Yeah, I, uh, you know, as you said, I'm Senior Vice President of Real Estate for Dave's Hot Chicken. We are a uh, 28-unit, fast, casual, Nashville-style hot chicken tender restaurant. So if that doesn't make your mouth water just by saying it, I don't know <laughs> what will. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm a, a retail restaurant leasing junkie. Um, I've been doing this since uh, 2005. Um, I started my career with Noodles & Company back in Boulder, Colorado. Um, and then uh, moved on to uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, where I uh, spent six and a half years helping grow that brand uh, across the country. Uh, and then, you know, went to, uh, went to learn and, and went uh, to the dark side, I guess, as some people would call it, went to the landlord side uh, and spent three and a half uh, great years at Mace Rich doing food and beverage leasing uh, in a mall environment and uh, kind of took the dive to, to learn more. Um, and that's actually where I got introduced to Dave's Hot Chicken. Um, where we first met, I, I had a spot and uh, got introduced to this amazing brand and ultimately leased them space, uh, which led to where I'm at today, uh, which has helped grow uh, this brand and, and this uh, concept uh, across the country. I have to ask, how insightful was it going to the dark side and seeing how performers were run on the landlord side and going, oh, or did you have any of those like aha moments, like going from the buyer to seller side? It really helped, uh, you know, especially with economics and with internal underwriting, understand how a landlord sees a deal relative to how a tenant sees a PL and how occupancy and construction allowances and construction costs weigh on both sides of the transaction so that you can pull the different levers um, and, and I actually think, you know, going to the landlord side, I could talk tenant um, and help them understand, well, this is, uh, these are the challenges of, of operating in California. The, the margins are so thin, the labor is so high, it's a challenge um, versus now being able to say, okay, what if we, what if we changed the terms and what if we, you know, took dollars from one pile and moved them to the other or, uh, you know, thought differently about the rent economics or the construction allowances or the timing such that, you know, the landlord can get the deal, uh, you know, approved by their investment committee and the, the tenant or, uh, you know, on our end, our franchisees, uh, you know, have a deal that they can uh, feel comfortable with, you know, opening a restaurant in today's environment. We'll get back to today's environment. But first, I want to bring you to the hot seat. We call this clear the air. All right. And I've got three questions for you. Are you ready? I am. Here we go. All right. Question one. What is one skill you don't possess but wish you did? I am. Uh, I cannot play a musical instrument for the life of me other than drumming on my, you know, my legs or on a table. That's about as good as it gets. But I wish I could play the guitar or piano or something 
that was a little bit more challenging and, and musically inclined. Yeah, same. I, I have such an appreciation for people who like can pick up an instrument and, you know, we've all like known somebody who can play like the guitar, the piano, the cello, they can do like everything. And I literally can't even whistle. So um, <laughs> there's that. Uh, question two, what is one thing most people agree with, but you do not? Uh, I grew up in Minnesota. In Minnesota, it is duck, duck, gray duck. And the rest of the country, it is duck, duck, goose. Huh. But it is duck, duck, gray duck. It will always be duck, duck, gray duck. And uh, you know, forever, there is no such thing as duck, duck, goose. I never heard of duck, duck, gray duck. I'm like tempted to Google this right now. Duck, duck, gray duck. You didn't make this up. This is a no, real thing. No, it, it, it is a real game. It is, it is the real version of what some people would uh, incorrectly call duck, duck, goose. Wow, fascinating. That's why I love this podcast. I'm always learning new things. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last question. When is the last time you tried something for the first time? So I really had to think about this one. Um, uh, we were out at a restaurant opening and uh, we went out after the opening a couple months ago. And it's actually the first time I've ever been to a karaoke bar. Um, you know, the, the, you had your own little room in your booth and it was me and some coworkers singing karaoke and we had a blast, but I can honestly say that was the first time I've ever been to a karaoke bar. Wow. I like karaoke bars. They're pretty fun. Yeah. They're pretty fun. All right. Well, thank you for giving us a little more insight on who you are. Let's pivot a little bit. I'd love for you to tell us a story about a Dave's hot chicken that opened. Where are we going? We are going to Lakewood, California, which is uh, South Los Angeles near Long Beach. The year is, uh, is 2019. And uh, the background on Dave's Hot Chicken is, you know, these are three elementary school friends that had a love for fried chicken, uh, a love for the restaurants. Um, you know, Dave, uh, who become, the brand is named after Dave's Hot Chicken, uh, is a culinary, uh, you know, he's culinary institute trained chef. Um, he was kind of known as the spice nerd uh, going through culinary school. Uh, he and Armin and Tommy uh, rolled up the, their life savings of less than $1,000 and a portable fryer and popped up in a, a parking lot in East Hollywood in 2017. Oh my God. And uh, the head editor at Eater LA got wind of it and came down and on, I think it was night three or night four. And then wrote the article that the East Hollywood late night chicken pop-up will blow your mind. And uh, from there, it expanded. So I met these guys in 2019. Um, they had two restaurants at the time. And it was introduced to them actually by a broker who uh, was calling to, to tell me that two deals that we were working on with another one of his clients uh, were dead. They weren't moving forward. But hey, I got this other, uh, this new client that I, I think you should go check out. Uh, so I went to the original location on Western Avenue, and, and at that time, uh, the lines were about 45 minutes long, people standing outside waiting in line for, uh, for their Nashville-style hot chicken tenders. And as soon as I had it, I, I knew this was a tenant that I had to have uh, in a center I was leasing in Lakewood. Uh, so we had a, a, a fast food chain on an expiring lease. It was coming up, and I said, you know, I know you don't have any drive throughs I know you don't have any locations outside of these two in Hollywood, but come on down to Lakewood of all places. 
And uh, they came down and, and, you know, actually fell in love with the spot. It's on a hard corner, highly present, you know, visible location. Um, and in September of 19, we got a, you know, we got a deal done and it took a while because then we hit COVID. Um, so this is actually one of those, you know, good stories that, that in the middle of COVID ends well. Uh, you know, it took a while to negotiate, but, you know, ultimately in June of, of 2020, we signed the lease. Um, not without hiccups, not without starts and stops and uh, in, in, in that environment, but, uh, you know, it was able to bring this new, fresh, emerging brand uh, to a center that we were just trying to do something fun with. Um, and, and the restaurant turned out phenomenal. Wow. I have a, a bunch of questions. So let's go. What do you got? Let's go back to the beginning. You mentioned right. there was a forty-five minute line. Did you wait in that line? I waited in that line. I wanted that experience, just like every other, uh, you know, guest and, and customer had of of waiting in line to order and then waiting for the food to come out. Um, you know, that was that was the experience. That was you know, people. There was a camaraderie to it. Of hey, how'd you hear about this? Where did you come from? How long you been waiting? Um, and, and everybody kind of had that shared bond and shared excitement about the food. Wow. I think that's a great lesson just in general business. If you're doing business with someone to actually experience the brand, you clearly did that before you actually went into business with them. That's very smart. I think it's one of those things when, when you're leasing space, you can just do a deal, but unless you really know both on the tenant side or the landlord side, what you're leasing and having been there and visited it and experienced it, it's really hard to, to sell to somebody, whether it's, you know, uh, an executive committee on the tenant side or on the investment side from the landlord perspective. Hey, I, I think this is what the company should be putting their money into. Um, so, you know, that, that, that visit and that experience and sitting down and, and understanding what you're doing, I think is, is something that a lot of people uh, take for granted. Totally agree. The deal got signed in June of 2020. This is one of the most trying times in American history. Not only that, it was signed in California, which was a tougher state for restaurants, still working their way out of that. What was the mindset of the brand Dave's Hot Chicken in signing that lease? How how did they get comfortable or how did you get comfortable having them sign up for that in that time period? Because I know that was a very trying time, especially in California. Yeah, you know, I think it was a little bit about the brand itself as a fast casual brand, especially out here in California, um, the ability to pivot from in-person dining to to go, you know, take away third party online ordering uh, was something that a lot of brands, you know, did successfully. And Dave's is one of them, um, where in a span, you know, very short period of time where it was able to turn on digital channels that they might not have been, you know, they weren't using at the time. Um, and so I think they had the foresight to understand where the business was going with the restaurants that they had and the deals in the pipeline that there was going to be a way through this. It had a drive-through. So there was the comfort given, you know, how drive-through sales were increasing, uh, in the middle of the pandemic, that there was going to be an ability to serve the guests an ability to, to drive sales, uh, in this location given that the uh, you know, dining rooms were closed. 
that makes sense. And if I, my math is right, was that restaurant number three for them? Uh, it was signed very early on. Um, the, you know, it, it only opened about four weeks ago. Oh, so wow. th this deal actually took two years. Uh, I went back and looked at my files on opening day. Um, and it's, it, you know, from LOI number one to opening was nearly two years. Um, a lot of it was due to construction, permitting, uh, approvals, uh, and less actually on the deal side to get to a, a signed lease given everything that was going on in nine months was probably a, a, a pretty short amount of time. Yeah, for sure. When you say the permits and construction, was this like labor shortages, municipalities being closed, supply chain issues? It was a little bit of both. So this particular location sits on a hard corner. And uh, in the vicinity, there are a few other fast food restaurants with drive-throughs. There's a coffee player with a drive-through. All of them back out onto uh, the main street that sits right in front of this restaurant. So the city even weighed in and said, yes, your drive-through meets code. But if you want you know, another approval, we had to redo the drive-through. So we had to engineer a, a drive-through solution, which took a little bit of time in the lease process to figure out, okay, how can we reconfigure the parking lot and the drive-through to go from what would meet code at, I think it was five cars uh, in the stack to now, uh, I think it's like a 12 or a 13 car stack. And then you had to go through, you know, DOT and civil engineering and, you know, moving electrical boxes and sidewalks. It, it just you turned into a bigger project well, than we all anticipated. So you now, I don't know at that point, I know you had your developer hat on, but all those things I know from my experience add a lot of costs to deals. Uh, I would say that it did. Uh, <laughs> it kind of did come back. You know, we, we had to, we days, you know, we had to, we had to work on the construction costs. We had to, everybody had to share and, you know, looking back on it now from the, from the other side, uh, you know, I think it's a win-win for everybody because, right. you know, the shopping center has a, a really great tenant um, and, and a fresh uh, uh, brand and, and, and offering. Um, and the tenant got, you know, I, I think, uh, a, a great use, you know, and, and a, a, a better flow to the drive-through. It, it actually really worked out well. I was, I was there today, uh, before our call and, and it really came out nice. Wow. So when it was signed, it was one of the first few deals. It, it just opened. Yeah. But that was in June of 2020. In June of 2020, you all had like a couple of restaurants and did I hear right? You now have 28. Yeah. So at the beginning of, of 2021, so we had seven restaurants. We uh, year to date have opened 21. Uh, we still have uh, probably somewhere in the range of 10 to 12 restaurants uh, left to go this year to open. Um, but a lot of our, you know, outside of Los Angeles, we're growing in a franchise model. Uh, so it gives us a different ability to grow quickly uh, by leveraging our franchise partners in other markets um, and, and, you know, the ability to grow um, where a lot of brands what might grow one or two new markets a year. You know, we've added uh, five states and uh, we now have restaurants in Toronto this year. So we've, we've been able to grow quickly across the country um, through our franchising model. Wow. Typically getting the ability to franchise is, and getting all the licensing that, that takes some time. Was this getting started pre pandemic? 
Yeah, um, we hired, uh, you know, our, our executive team comes from a franchising background. Our CEO, Bill Phelps, is one of the co-founders of, of Wetzel's Pretzels and has invested in other franchise concepts. Um, and so the, the franchising model was, you know, is very well understood within our, our company. Uh, but in late 2019, uh, brought on our VP of franchise sales. And actually, a lot of our, our growth came through the pandemic. So we were set up to grow via franchising until the pandemic hit. And actually, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of that has happened in the last 18 months. Wow. So cool. The, how, how amazing is it to see you were on the other side of the table, like in the beginning of 2020, making this deal with Dave's Hot Chicken, and now you're working for Dave's Hot Chicken. Is that like surreal for you? The, it, this was a special transaction to be able to see it from the other side now and to be able to experience it, you know, from beginning to end. And, and you know, really not a lot of, of deal makers on either side, you know, get that experience, let alone in some cases, getting to see deals to the end, especially given how long restaurants take. Um, but this one was fun because now I, you know, I can see where it started, where the vision was of, of approaching Dave's in 2019 to, you know, seeing our franchisee operating the restaurant, being there opening weekend, um, and, and just kind of seeing it all happen, but from the other side now, and now it's, it's part of the brand that, you know, I'm passionate about, um, you know, and, and, you know, it's just so exciting. Yeah, it really is. Do you guys have in your head how many locations maybe Dave's could be? You know, we're, we're growing. Uh, yeah, I think the I think there's a, a lot. There's a huge potential runway for this uh, for this concept. I think you know, chicken is such a uh, a flexible player in in the culinary space that there's a lot of different opportunities. But you know, Dave's is something special. We offer one product. It's a chicken tender. We serve it two ways with seven different levels of spice, um, you know, that, that there's something for everybody on the menu via our chicken. And so it's, uh, you know, from somebody who doesn't like spice or somebody who wants to try our, our Reaper, um, you know, there's a, kind of an adventure in, in coming to Dave's, but you know, the, the, the quality of the product is, is outstanding. You guys have grown fast and gotten a lot of franchisees. I imagine, how big are these? Uh, we're, we're fast casual. Uh, so we're, you know, somewhere between 2,000, 26, 2,700 square feet. Um, so the, the AUVs must be pretty strong to be getting this type of interest from franchisees. Uh, we're really excited about how the brand has been received. We, we don't state, uh, in a, you know, in item 19 on our FDD. So I, I, I can't talk too much about that, but... We're really excited about how we've been received both, you know, the restaurants that we have in Southern California and now as we've grown outside, um, you know, to Oregon and Colorado and Texas and Illinois uh, and Nevada, we're, we're really excited just how the brand has been received as we continue to grow. Last thing I would touch on, I always find that you've been in the restaurant leasing space for a while, restaurant real estate. Now that you're growing as a franchisee, tell me a little bit about what, what the real estate function looks like for you, because it's different from franchisor to franchisor. Some people do everything. Some people are just approving sites. Some people are going out and site selecting. Well, how do you envision you shaping this department in the future? Yeah. Um, you know, I, 
we have uh, phenomenal franchisees. Um, some of them come from franchise, you know, entities and, and organizations that did the real estate for them. And they walked into a space and a deal was done. And, and that's a model that works for some. Um, you know, we really partner with our franchisees. Uh, we don't call it a, a, a corporate office. We call it a support center. We're there to support the, the success and the growth of our franchisees. So to the level that our franchisees want our, our help, uh, whether it's on the front end of a deal, in the middle of a lease negotiation, um, you know, we're, we're there to help. Um, but we're, we're very active in um, the strategy and the thought process. And, you know, what is special about Dave's is kind of the DNA, as you, you see, you know, our, our graphics and our signage and so cool. our, our, uh, our, our, our kind of ethos is, is very fun. Um, it's very out there, a lot of bright colors. Um, and so we're really, we're really, you know, cautious about where we go and how we grow and doing it the right way. So we, we do, we work a lot on the front end with our franchisees to make sure that the thought process of a deal for a deal is, is not the right way to grow, uh, a successful organization in the fast casual world, but being strategic and thoughtful and with a, a solid decision logic as to why each site makes sense um, is really the right way to grow. I like that philosophy. I think one of the last things I'm thinking about, you could look at it two ways. One, a lot of restaurants went out last year, but your space is hot, right? There's so many people who want to be in your space, right? Not, not necessarily chicken, just fast casual, right? There's every town has someone around the corner that's got a restaurant that they're going to take to 2000 locations, right? It's really, it's very competitive space, obviously not easy to do. Where do you guys kind of think about the competition? And do you like a lot of, does rising tide raise all boats? Do you like a lot of fast casual and restaurants? Do you want all the food share for yourself? Do you want to be in a place where there's no other restaurants? How do you guys think about that? You know, as, as a new brand, uh, you know, it's, an, it's a really interesting question and one that our, our you know, we're, we're talking a lot about, um, but as a new brand growing outside of our home market of California, especially, you know, we've got to be in the consumer's normal traffic pattern. We, you know, you're not going to necessarily um, be able to succeed by going off the mark and by going around the corner or hiding yourself and saying, uh, you know, if we build it, they will come. It's more a process of, you know, being where the customer is already going. Where are their, their daily trips? Where are the daily needs? Where are the other restaurants? And then how do we go find great real estate um, where we can be front and center, big spotlight on us, um, and then you know, through our, our marketing efforts, you know, draw the customer in? I'm going to push you a little bit there because to me, that feels a little bit more about the site selection. As I think about the markets, I talk to some chains that are like, I love this market. It's under restauranted. I believe I can open up four and I can keep my competition out. I'm going to take the best real estate in that market, but since it's underpenetrated from a restaurant, I, that's where I want to be. I don't want to go in that market and bang heads with every other restaurant brand. How are you guys thinking about that? You know, there's a different school of thought, you know, of, of both ways of, of doing it. I think for us, you know, taking a brand building approach, building, you know, brand equity, especially in new markets, as we continue to grow as a young brand, um, you know, I, I think going into trade areas where 
you have you know strong retail where are the yep. um the influencers where are the early adopters going to you know try things where are kind of the the hip neighborhoods the hip trade areas um and, and we we think very strategically about our our market planning and what trade areas make sense in what order um so that we can be uh successful in each individual market because every market operates differently la is so different and there is very, uh, you know, other than New York, you can't really replicate it in terms of density, in terms of uh, you know, some of the, the traffic patterns and the energy, but you can't replicate New York either. Um, that being said, I can't take Los Angeles and drop it in Cleveland, Ohio um, and say, okay, this is like this. So we really, we look at each market differently. We look at each, uh, you know, franchise territory differently and say, okay, What's the best thing for this market as we're going to grow here? So it's a, it really is a lot of front end strategy and thought and, and you know uh, collaboration with our franchisees, our, our brokers in each market to, to think about what's the right way to grow so that we earn the right to grow and continue to grow um, as we open more restaurants. I like that. Earn the right to grow. I'm going to steal that from you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Listen, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah. I want to I want to bring us to the last part of the show called retail wisdom. Okay. I've got three questions for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Question 1. What extinct retailer do you wish would come back from the dead? Uh I miss Dayton's. Dayton's was a department store in Minneapolis. It is the uh the Dayton family is also the founding family of Target. Uh, both started in Minneapolis, but, uh, but Dayton's was, you know, a, just a phenomenal department store, great customer service. Um, it, it just growing up, it was, it was one of those places that you, you, you went to, whether it was in the suburbs or, you know, the, the flagship, uh, downtown Minneapolis location, Dayton's was such, just such a, a phenomenal brand. Fascinating. I love that answer. Question two, what's the last item over $20 you bought in a store? Not named Dave's Hot Chicken. And not groceries. Uh, I, it was actually socks at Uniqlo. I, uh, I stocked up on, on socks of all random things. We all need socks. Yes. <laughs> have you tried Bombas? I have tried Bombas. Um, I, 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 they're, they're great. But uh, for everyday use, uh, Uniqlo has the ones I love. Perfect. Last question, Dannon. Okay. If you and I were shopping... We were shopping at Target and I lost you. What aisle would I find you in? You are going to find me in the snacks, Gatorade, energy drink uh, aisle for Gatorade. sure. There was a time I was so obsessed with Gatorade. I love that answer. I was so obsessed with Gatorade. I was cutting weight for wrestling, right? Growing up. And like, I like was fascinated by Gatorade. I said my major was going to be food science because I was going to be the person who made the new flavors for Gatorade. <laughs> that was going to be me. I miss some of those old flavors like citrus cooler doesn't exist anymore. That was, you know, in the glass bottle. Alpine Michael Jordan Snow. used to drink that one. That was the best. Love that glass bottle. All right, Dan, this was fantastic. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks and, for having uh, me. To love to host you in one of our restaurants and, uh, and give you the opportunity to, to try it fresh. I'm going to take you up on that. Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. 
you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retailretold at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.